assignment, your assignment, if you choose to accept it, is to find the rabbit's foot or, you know, do this and save the world from nuclear holocaust and stuff like that. And, and the, but the problem is when you see these movies like that, um, at the end of the movie, the lights go back on. And it's like, oh, okay. And then you go back to your job and you do email. And it's like, okay, this is my life. You know, it's like the old Dilbert cartoon. It's like, I receive email, therefore I am. And, and we get kind of stuck in this, this Dilbert reality that lacks excitement and lacks adventure and lacks any sort of significance or purpose in life. And I, I think what we need more than anything else in, in the church is to be rescued from that kind of Dilbert existence of not having any significance, any purpose, any adventure, any sense of excitement. Uh, do you ever realize that, that some people think that when you become a Christian, that all of a sudden the, the lid kind of gets put on life? Like all the fun kind of gets squeezed out of life. And, and, you know, okay, I'm a Christian now. So I, the best that I can attain to be is a really, really nice person. But that's about it. Have you guys heard that or kind of thought that? What I, what I think is, is true is exactly the opposite. I mean, that has not been my experience at all. Oftentimes people will say to me, they say, Mike, what would you do if you could do anything that you want in the world? And I'm like, always like, like, like something that I'm, you know, I mean, like what I'm not doing now? Like besides what I'm not doing now? Like I'm doing what I would love to be doing in the world. This is like the place. And what, what God does to us is when he comes into our life, when Jesus comes into our lives, is he redeems us, he restores us, he fills us with his presence, he, he forgives all of our sins, he adopts us into his family. And then, and then, essentially what he does is he gives us a sword, and he says, now, I want you to go and fight my battles for me, okay? And that's, that's what he asks us to do. He asks us to get in line with his purposes, his plans, and his intentions for the world, which are eternal and which are cosmic, and he invites us into them. So I want you to turn, turn your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to be finishing up this short kind of mini-series that uh, we have been doing. If you don't have a Bible, David and Marilyn Spenner will get you one. And I'm not sure, but I believe it's on page 818, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is just a wonderful text, and we've been using this text for the last three weeks to kind of work as a template as to why do we do what we do here at Kettlebrook Church. And and, and essentially, what we do here at Kettlebrook ultimately goes back to this commission that Jesus gave his disciples right before he was ascended right back into heaven. And he says, I, I want you to go and make disciples of me. Okay, go into all the world, make disciples of me, teaching people to obey everything that I've commanded you, and I'm going to be with you. Everywhere you go, to the very ends of the age. Okay, So the, 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 the whole vision of Kettlebrook Church is to be about that mission, on that commission that Jesus made. So we say it this way. We say Kettlebrook Church exists to glorify God, 
by helping people become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Now, if you weren't with us two weeks ago when we met at the high school, there's, uh, there's, uh, it's possible for people to misread that vision statement. And they may misread it and they say, the vision of Kettlebrook Church, which is Troy, Mike, Ryan, and Dan, and anybody else who's on staff, is to help the rest of us become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, let me tell you, that's a heresy. Nothing could be further from the truth. Because if we are all redeemed and restored to the God and, our God and Savior, he has given that commission to every single one of us. So we should all be able to say, the vision of Kettlebrook Church, which is my vision and my reason for being, is to glorify God by helping people become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That's what we're all to be about doing. Now, but that doesn't even get to the whole, that, that talks about what we should be doing, but it doesn't answer the question of motivation, doesn't answer the why. Why should we be doing it? And so we've been looking at this uh, passage in 2 Corinthians 5. And so there's several things in here, several motivating factors. The first week, our key verse for that first week was verse 10 of 2 Corinthians 5. And it talks about the sense of accountability. It says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things well, done well in the body, whether good or bad. There's a sense of accountability that, hey, one day I'm going to stand before the living God and he's going to ask me how to go. How'd it go? Did you live for my purposes? Or did you have a lot of fun? You know? And for some of us, that's going to be a very uncomfortable moment. So, so the sense of accountability drives us. It says, we want to make our lives count for all eternity. Then last week, we talked about not since we have a sense of accountability, but we have a sense of allegiance. Okay, verse 14 and 15 were kind of our key verses last week. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all because he died for us that those who live, to speak about us, should no longer live for themselves. No longer live for themselves. Okay? Christ died for us to invite us, to, to invite us out of this life of selfishness and self-centeredness. We should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised Again, that's what we live there. We have this, not only a sense of accountability, we're going to stand before God, but we have this sense of allegiance that we no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died for us and was raised again. Today we're going to talk about one last motivating factor as to why we do what we do here at the church. And we're going to read verse 16 through 21 here, and then we'll kind of get, it, get, it, get into it a little bit. He says, so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the, this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So these, these are some of my 
favorite verses in all the scriptures. You know, they, they give us this sense of mission, this sense of assignment, which is the last thing that's kind of our motivating factor. You have a sense of being on assignment with God himself, okay? Now, I know that if you're a student here, assignment is a bad word, okay? So I don't want you to get too, too wigged out. Don't think of like assignment like I have to do an assignment. Think of assignment as being on assignment like a secret agent is on assignment. You are on assignment with, with God. He has entrusted you with his message of reconciliation. And you are to go out to be his ambassadors to a lost world that you engage with on a daily basis as his representative, as his ambassador. And so there's several aspects to this sense of being on assignment with God. And the first one is this new perspective that he has. We have this new perspective on humanity, the human race. This starts in verse 16. He says, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Okay? Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we would do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Or as the literal Greek there is, if anyone is in Christ, new creation. New creation. The old has gone, the new has come. We have this new perspective on humanity, this new perspective on people. We don't just see them as, as, as something to be used for our own purposes. We don't see them as annoyances at work. We don't see them as just a, a means to an end. We don't see anybody as like a no-count, as someone who is not valuable. We have a brand new perspective on people that's rooted in the gospel and rooted in what Christ has done. And it's rooted in, in the, the, the pre- verses just prior before this. He says, for Christ, it says, it says, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. That anybody that you come into contact with is so extremely valuable that God sent his son Jesus to die for them. Let me tell you this. You have not met an unimportant person. And you will never meet an unimportant person because there's no person on earth that God did not send his son, Jesus, to die for. So when you go and walk into that factory on Monday morning, you know that everyone that you have around us are people who God loves and he sent his son to die for. When you go and teach those kids on Monday morning, it, it doesn't matter how annoying they are. Okay, they may drive you nuts, but God still sent his son, Jesus, to die for them. You have this brand new perspective on all of humanity. This begins to change everything. When we see people not as, as annoyances, not as means to an end, not as, as somebody that might be a no count or not valuable in the world's eyes, we see them completely different now because we understand that God has loved them so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for them. I was talking to a man at, at one of our services one time, and uh, his name is Scott. And I'm like, so how'd you end up here? And he was a press man. He worked at a, in a press room with one of the guys from, from Kettlebrook and West Bend. And, um, you know, kind of on the press room floor, you know, language can get a little colorful. Things can kind of get a little crazy there. 
And Dan, who was one of the guys from, from Kettlebrook, worked with this guy. And, and this guy was like, why don't, you, why don't you ever use any cuss words, Dan? You know, why don't you ever do this? Why don't you ever do that? And Dan's like, well, you see, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And so I want to represent him and try to, try to explain what it is. And this guy just baited Dan all the time. He was like, come on, I will give you, I'll give you 20 bucks. I'll give you, I'll give you 50 bucks. Just to hear you swear, you know. And then Dan is like, "No, thank you. You know, I've got you know better things to to worry about." And uh, one day, this guy Scott showed up at Dan's doorstep. Dan opened up. He says, "What's what's the deal?" And his wife had just left him, but he knew that Dan was a spiritual person because he had been interacting with him all month long, all year long. So Dan brought him in and said, come on in, let me hear about it. And he cried with him, prayed with him. Ultimately, Dan got a chance to lead this guy to Christ because he was working with him all day long and being a representative of what Jesus Christ is like. Let me tell you, you will not meet an unimportant person in your life, no matter where you go. We have this this brand new mission, this, this assignment from God that is rooted in a new perspective on humanity. And then it goes on. He says, it's an assignment of reconciliation. He says in verses 18 through 19, he says, all this is from God. Oh, by the way, when Scott stepped into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, what happened? New creation. New creation. That's what 17 said. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Every single person that you meet has that potential to step into that new creation. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Okay, that's what God does to us. And then he says, and and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. This is the most amazing thing that I can think of. It's not only does God reconcile us to himself and adopt us into his family and fill us with the spirit, but now he says, now I'm entrusting all of this to you. This message, it doesn't end with you, it doesn't stop with you. It's to be passed on and I'm trusting you to, to pass it on to others. I was just talking with somebody in our, our in Kiwaskum this morning, this from the site here, he's sitting amongst you, but he told me not to point him out. <laughs> he's working with this guy who's going through some difficulties at work, and he's been just sharing Jesus with him as a, as he can and as appropriate. And uh, and he knows where he lives. He lives. He knows he lives in Sussex, so he tried to direct him to a church in Sussex there. And the guy he, he just pulled up one day, one Sunday. He was just so freaked out about going to church for the first time. He turned around, but <laughs> got back in his car and drove off. And then, John, oh, I just outed you, John. Sorry. He's like, try it again, try it again. You know. So he goes out there, and the guy, and the guy goes to the church the next day. Goes, it goes to church, and he says came back and he says, it's like he was just speaking right to me. Like that message is just for me. And the thing is that God has entrusted all of us with this message of reconciliation. Each and every one of you, okay, are representatives of God, entrusted with this message of reconciliation. 
Okay? There's a heresy in the church. Okay? That we need to dispel. And the heresy is this, is that there are these paid pastors that do all the work, okay, are the important and strategic ones, and then there's the Americans, <laughs> okay? Nothing could be further from the truth. I tell people all the time, you guys are much more strategic than I am, by far, because you're going out into the world and you're rubbing shoulders with normal people every day. I, if, I have to, if I want to meet someone out of the side of the church, I have to be creative about it. I have to, I have to, I have to work on it. I have, to, I have to, to, to be you know, creative and join clubs and stuff like that, okay? Because I'm in church all day long, but you guys go out, and you guys go out entrusted with the message of reconciliation. And you go out into the world. God, essentially, he brings us to himself, calls us to himself, saves us, redeems us, restores us. And then he says, and here's the message. I want you to go out and be my representatives. You've been entrusted with this message of reconciliation. And then he says here at the, at the very end, this is, and this is, this is the whole, whole reason that, that this church exists, is that we are a whole community of people who have been entrusted with this message of reconciliation. And then he says that we are therefore, verse 20, he is we're therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Okay? As though God was, he's working through us. Now that is the most amazing thing that I can think of, is that when we interact with people and we talk to people, God is actually using us. I mean, can you get, ever get a more sense of purpose and significance than that? That God is utilizing each and every one of you, one of you for his purposes. We're therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now this, this harkens back to my days as a kid and thinking that of being a secret agent. Okay? If you are Christ's ambassadors... You're a representative, right? And another word for representative is an agent. Dun, 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 dun. So like, so you are Christ's agent, God's secret agent in the world, as though God were making his appeal to the world through you. Now, this is the most amazing thing that I can think of because, you know, if you watch those Mission Impossible movies, these guys are always connected to like headquarters, and there's like this guy who's the computer guy, you know, at the console, and they they see where they go, and they 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 are watching them, and they're like, oh, okay, we'll get that door open for you, and the door opens up for them, and stuff like that, and you know, they're connected with the headquarters, and that's essentially what our role is. Okay, we're constantly connected with headquarters. Remember what Jesus said: Go into all the world, make disciples of all men, and I am with you. Always, to the very ends of the age, we're never alone. And so we're always connected with headquarters. We're always talking. We're always communicating, saying, what do you want me to do, God? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to say? I remember, I can out these people because they're not here today, but uh, I remember when we first started this church um, at Kettlebrook in West Bend, I was in Brookfield visiting a friend at work. He worked at a a financial uh, company. And, uh, 
And he was introducing me to the rest of the rest of the people in his in his office. And he says, he says, Mike, I want you to meet George. George goes to Elmbrook Church, and he's a strong believer. And you know, and he says, this is my friend Mike. And Mike is starting a brand new church up in West Bend. And George says, Huh? I have a brother who just moved to West Bend from Appleton. I'm like, Oh, hey, well, give me his number. I'll call him up and invite him to our church. He's like, Whoa, whoa, well, just be careful. You know, he's not a believer yet. I'm like. I'll be nice, you know, I'm a nice guy. And he says, okay, well, I'll give you his, his, his name and number, but let me call him first and kind of get him ready. And so George calls up Steve. He says, Steve, I just met this guy today. He's starting a church in West Bend. And, uh, and he says, and Steve says, really? He says, and he says, yeah, he's lived in Russia for like eight years before he came here and stuff like, and Steve's like, really? He says, does he have kids? He goes, I think his son is in my basement playing with my kid right now. And Ben and PJ were in the basement playing together. And the Galeskis and the Morans became good friends. And the message of reconciliation passed from the Morans to the Galeskis. Now, Steve came on our elder board as one of our small group leaders. He helps out with sound up there on a regular basis. Brenda is now a part of our children's ministry. And it all started because God is up there. He's moving the pieces into line. He's like, Mike, I'm going to have you go visit Brad at his financial place of work. And I'm going to put you connecting with Steve. And I've got, you know, everything in control. The only question is, are you going to be obedient to listen to my commands and be a part of what I want you to do in the world? There's a, there's a great verse in, uh, in Chronicles in the Old Testament, Old Testament and it, it says this. I want to see if I can find it. Yeah, Second Chronicles 69. It says, it says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth. He's looking. Where are the people who are in tune with me, who are on mission with me? who want to be used by me, who are ready to be used by me, because I want to strengthen them, and I want to come alongside of them and help them to be on mission with me. We are Christ and betters. If you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are God's secret agent. Okay, say that with me. Say, say, repeat it for me. I am God's secret agent. I am God's secret agent. Now, you can say... I am God's secret agent, carefully disguised as a, and then you fill it in, teacher. I am God's secret agent, carefully disguised as a carpenter. I am God's secret agent, carefully disguised as a stay-at-home mom. But if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are God's secret agent, entrusted with this message of reconciliation. As though God were appealing through you to those you interact with. Every single one of us. And and then what would it look like if we were an entire church that lived this way? Where each each and every one of us got this morning. And we said, here I am, God. I'm your secret agent. I'm your ambassador. One of the terms that the scriptures uses is slave. Here I am, God, I'm your slave. I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. 
What do you want me to do today? Let me tell you this. A slave does not do what he wants to do. A slave does whatever the master says. A special agent does whatever headquarters tells him to do. If we were a people who lived in this way, let me tell you, look out. Look out. Because when God hears that prayer, he says, Oh, I've been waiting all day. I never thought you'd ask. And he brings all sorts of opportunities your way. I remember when uh, my wife and I were getting ready to go to Russia. Um, we, uh, we had gone through Russian language school and we, um, uh, we had learned somewhat of the, of the language. And I was working for a financial company at that time doing errands. And one of the errands I had to do was in Milwaukee. Well, I went to this place that's called the International Institute of Wisconsin. And I said to the lady, I said, hey, this is an interesting place. What, what do you do here at the International Institute of Wisconsin? We were kind of in process getting ready to move to Russia. And she says, oh, well, we do all sorts of things with internationals of different countries. We have this whole delegation of Russian businessmen coming to, uh, to Milwaukee next week. And I said, oh, really? That's interesting. My wife and I are actually getting ready to move to Milwaukee. Do you have anybody coming from the city of Irkutsk? And she said, why, yes, we do. She looks at this. We have one man coming from Irkutsk, Siberia, here. And I'm like, well, how can I meet him? And she said, well, we're having a reception for all of them next weekend. And so my wife and I crashed the meeting. You know, there's all these delegates there and stuff like that. And here are these two green kids, 23, 24 years old, you know, trying to practice their Russian. They were like, where's Alexei? Alexei is this guy. You know, he was here to learn all about organic farming. This is back in 1994 when no one knew about organic farming. And he was staying at Kevin Thal's farm in Kewaskum. Now, growing up in Waukesha, like I thought Kewaskum was the ends of the earth. Okay? And so this is my first time ever in Kewaskum. We met, we met Alex Say, made contact with him, God's secret agent, right? Talked to him in Russian a little bit, said, hey, we'd love to show you around, show you Milwaukee. Picked him up in Kewaskum. I think it took me an entire tank of gasoline to get up there. <laughs> and then showed him Milwaukee. And, and during our talk in Milwaukee, he says, he says, you know what? He says, Mike, under communism, I didn't believe in God at all. But, uh, but now I believe in God 50%. And someday I hope to believe in God 100%. I said, I hope so too, Alex. Hey, I hope so too. And uh, we began, we, we, broke, we part of ways he went back to Russia, we began to pray for him every day. I prayed for Alex hey, every day. And when we landed in Siberia, guess who picked us up at the airport? We picked up right where we left off. And I'll never forget the day that I came back from Alex hey, as he drove me home, went to the door, and he said to my wife, car, he says, Today, I greet you as a brother in Christ. See, God is up there, and he's looking, and he says, There's, you will never find a person who's not important. I sent my son Jesus to die for all of them. And if you would simply yield yourself to me and my purposes, I will take you on the greatest adventure you have ever been on. And his purposes and plans are eternal and cosmic. And they're the redemption and the reconciliation 
of the whole world. The only question is, will we get up in the morning and say, I'm your slave. I'm your ambassador. Use me today for whatever you want. Let's pray. Father God, here we are. This small army of ambassadors. Your secret agents sent out into the world. You said to your disciples after you rose from the dead, you said, as the Father sent me into the world, so now I am sending you. And so here we are sent. And every day we have an opportunity to come across people who are eternally valuable to you. Lord, help us to know what it means that we no longer view anybody from a worldly point of view any longer. Help us to know what it means that we have been entrusted with this message of reconciliation. It's now in our hands. What are we going to do with it? Help us to know what it means that we're your ambassadors as though you were making your appeal to other people through us. Lord, that, I know that scares us to death. That really scares us to death. So some of us, we just need to spend an extra half an hour in your presence every morning just saying, give me courage, Lord. Give me courage to just say to my coworker, you know what, I'll pray for you. As they talk about their struggles, as they talk about cancer, as they talk about people they love in pain, just say, I'll pray for you. See where it goes. Lord, whatever it is, we don't want to waste our lives. So we pray that we would use them for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.